This is City AM Unregulated. I'm Zach Meir. And I'm Emma Hazlitt. On this week's show... Mining expert Amanda van Dyke. I mean, I've been in Swiss gold vaults. It's, it really is. 15 different sections below the ground and, and you sign your life away and you go through a body scan machine in and out. But when you're in there, it, you really do feel like you've entered another world. Capital markets professional Bonnie Hughes. Saudi Arabia, they have vending machines that they use quite frequently for... Um, dispensing gold bullion, so they're quite comfortable with it. And ultimately, can you make money out of investing in gold? Just go for the bullion, buy the coins, buy the bars, or if you've only got 20 pounds to invest, that's a good way to get some gold. Welcome to City AM Unregulated. It's one of the most lusted after elements, but today we'll be asking if investing in gold is actually worthwhile. And I'll be trying to cram in as many Spandau Ballet gold jokes as possible. Joining us in the studio today are Amanda Van Dyke, Chair of the Women in Mining Group and Non-Executive Director at Paternoster Resources, as well as Bonnie Hughes, Tip TV's mining presenter. This week gold prices surged against a weak dollar to above $1,300. Bonnie, why was that an important barrier to break? Well, Zach, as you know, being a chartist that you are, we determined on our previously that 1300 was a price where gold was seeming to be a barrier for going up against. So once it crossed that barrier, it seems that now we'll have to find a new ceiling. So basically crossing 1300 has presented a opportunity to for gold to push higher till the next level where it will probably consolidate and bounce around until it keeps going. There are psychological barriers and technical barriers um, in the market on a general basis, and and thirteen hundred was a strong technical barrier that's been f- that has failed numerous times in the past. So so that that technical trading barrier, even though it was breached for a very short period of time, shows that it can be breached, which means that we've basically entered another stage of the market. Um, and it's confirmed the fact that we are in a bull market. But the basic um, question here, I mean, $1,300 uh, sounds like quite a lot. I mean, uh, I was looking up uh, what the price of gold was when uh, I bought my Spando Ballet record gold, uh, and it was uh, $380. In in eighty three, um, so actually it's a high price, but is it as simple as that? Well, there's also been a lot more demand. So um, conveniently today, uh, GFMS came out with the uh, quarter Q1 gold demand for 2016, and it's up 20%, 21% year over year, and mainly due to investors uh, getting into ETF gold backed ETFs. Bonnie, do you, do you think this is a temporary thing, or do you think this is going to keep going? I don't think it is a temporary thing because <clears throat> usually when demand starts to pick up um, in the gold space, usually it, it continues and it uh, looks like we have come off a weak point in the gold price and it always goes in cycles so it looks like we're just about to begin a new cycle in the gold price. Now do I think it's going to go to 5000 overnight? No, I don't. But I do think that the current price looks like it's quite well supported at this level. Could it go to 5000 well, it could if there was sort of worldwide crisis, <laughs> and um, I don't really want it to go to 5,000 very quickly. You know, you want everything to sort of move at a nice, even pace, because uh, usually if you have a massive upswing or a massive downswing, um, it can cause a little bit of chaos in the market, and there will usually be some retraction and filling in um, on those prices that were missed on an upswing or a downswing. I mean, the production process of gold is incredibly expensive compared to even real estate. 
Is is that going to change? Is there the amount that we pay for that side of things? Well, in fact, um, most companies, good companies, and even Rangold is producing gold at about $600 an ounce. So, um, you know, right now at 13, they're making quite a good margin on that, almost 50%. So it isn't expensive to produce gold. Um, It just has for the companies that haven't got their expenses in order. And if they're producing gold at, you know, too high of a price, then they shouldn't be producing gold. Mining stocks, I'm familiar with them you know, on a day-to-day basis. I chart them and you know, I see them move around the place. Um, it is very tempting, and it has been very tempting over the last uh, few months, to look at, I don't know, Central Rangold or to look at these smaller companies and say, well, if I put £500 in that at a penny and £500 in that at two pence, they're going to double and triple over the next year if gold goes up by $500 or $1,000. It could, you could actually, from a very small amount of money, make a lot of money with these small mining stocks. They are very highly geared to gold going up. Every $50 goes, the gold goes up, these mining stocks can go up by 50%. That's correct. If we are at the start of this cycle, how do you stop yourself going crazy on, on, that, uh, on that potential upside? Well, I, I guess you sort of look at how it's done in the past and charted over the past five years, and you can see um, you know, where the dips have occurred. So you know that um, if you're going to put some money in there, there is also the possibility that you're going to lose all of it. So, <clears throat> well, if you have... No, but it's just, it, it's, it's literally, you buy it a penny, uh, if you, you, know, you put 500 quid at a penny, you, in, a, in, in, a, in a year's time it could be 20p, or it could be zero. You're, you're betting like that. I mean, with small amounts, that's what I mean. That's what the gold mines. That's what the mining mining sector is all about. It is thrills and spills, isn't it? Well, it is. But and I think if you're going to invest in um, a, in an equity, in a stock on its own, I think you need to do your research and have some very good understanding about what you're investing in. And if you don't have that understanding, then you're probably better off buying an ETF that's backed by miners, so that you're basically spreading your risk around to um, a whole bunch of different companies rather than just taking all the risk on one company if you don't really understand how the mining industry works and how um, it has an effect on a mining company. I'd like to talk about gold's relationship with the the US dollar. Why is it so closely linked with it? Um, Well, basically... Every, there's something called the risk-free rate. And usually the risk-free rate is what you can get on something that has the least amount of risk. And so the U.S. dollar being in a dollar actually is cash, so that's risk-free. And then also the other thing that um, gold is very closely correlated with is the risk-free interest rate or the interest rate on 10-year treasuries. So right now the interest rate on 10-year treasury T-bills is about 1.7%, which is actually quite low. So anyone looking at that would say, okay, I'd rather be be in gold than to be sitting in a in a ten year bond at one point seven percent because by the time you pay tax on it you're not getting very much. So whenever you know the market feels like there's going to be something um, risky going on uh, and they don't feel comfortable with the general world they may go to the U S dollar. Um, when they start to feel that um, the U S there's you know is not growing GDP is slower. Um, or there's issues in the U.S., they may move to gold because they feel like that is a safer bet. And because it is priced in you, the other thing is gold is priced in U.S. dollars. Thing That could slightly change, though, now with China coming out with their own sort of fix. So that could change in a few years and have a quite a different effect on how the um, gold is correlated with the U.S. dollar. So what, what happens if the U.S. does raise its interest rate? Well... 
in the past, when the U.S. has raised the interest rate, the gold price actually didn't go down that much. It might have initially, but it continued to go higher. But the thing is, the economic numbers that we've been seeing coming out of the U.S. are not saying that the picture is very, very rosy. So the, um, you know, the rising interest rates in the U.S., which they are going up, they're not going down, unless, of course, the, they go into deep recession, is um, it's going to happen very, very slowly. And so, um, you know, with interest rates so low, people will look at this and say, why am I keeping my money in the bank? I might as well put my money somewhere where I can at least make make some kind of return. Generally speaking, all of the fundamental factors have come together like a perfect storm to support the gold price. Um, the, the, your biggest threat right now is actually that everything, you know, Donald Trump doesn't win. ISIS decides that they're going to be nice and friendly. Um, China decides to stop playing hardball. And everybody raises their interest rates um, and decides that negative and zero interest rates are a thing of the past. If that all comes together, that might stagger the growth in gold. But gold has been massively oversold for years. I just I cannot see all of that coming to pass. So I'm imagining Fort Knox and gold bullions. Is that a false image to have in this debate? There's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there that say that all of the gold bullion in Fort Knox is not actually there. It hasn't actually been audited in 50 or 60 years. They I saw it in the film, though. It was there. It was all there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is the problem. But yes, um, I've actually been in gold vaults, and, and, and most of the gold vaults in the world have been audited, and, and central banks are the biggest buyers in the world right now of gold, and, and they're propping up economies and, and currencies all over. So very definitely huge gold vaults that are the basis for currencies all over the world are the reality of why gold has value in the world. So despite Gordon Brown's big clear out, it's still under the Bank of England? Well, half of it, half of what you once had is still under the Bank of England. Half of it was sold by Mr. Brown at the very bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about being inside of a gold vault, what happens? Do you have to go through hardcore security? Extremely hardcore security. <laughs> Isn't the problem when you're coming out, not going in, obviously? <laughs> um, you would think that, but I mean, they really are. I mean, I've been in Swiss gold vaults. It's It really is 15 different sections below the ground and, and you sign your life away and you go through a body scan machine in and out. But when you're in there, it you really do feel like you've entered another world. Like you can... F- you buy the Kool-Aid, you, you take it all in, and you, you f- you're overwhelmed by gold and glistening and all of it. It's just like the movies. Um, it's all wh- white suits and <laughs> biohazard. It's, it's mostly cages, actually. So um, literally cages with, with gold behind it with a, with a little sign on the top saying who the gold belongs to or who the gold is allocated to, et cetera, et cetera. So what if you only own a section of a bar? What happens then? You don't. You might own a section of a bar, but you own it via someone else. So let's say the Spiders Gold Trust that owns the most amount of gold in the world. It would be, you know, one room allocated to them. <laughs> um, and, and you would own part of the Spiders Gold Trust, not the underlying bar. Itself. So how much does a, a bar, a, a, the bar you see in films cost now? $50,000, $100,000? I think it's I think closer they're made to cardboard, 80. Aren't they, well, so. that's all. That's not too much. Um, 80 for the smaller bars, yeah. Oh, the, the I now have a proper one. I can't have a small one. <laughs> the real, I've actually carried, I have a picture on my Facebook of me holding one of those really big bars. You have no idea how heavy it is. I almost fell over. Oh, God. <laughs> it's really quite amazing. And Bonnie, have you done it? Um, no, I haven't gone into a vault, but I have gone um, into an underground mine. 
Um, so that is actually quite scary as well because it's very dark and you're sort of walking through caves and um, you can hear blasting going on at times and you go down um, an elevator uh, to get underground. Uh, but there's also times I've gone to um, one in um, Kitla in Finland where you actually drive down in a truck about 600 meters. Um, and um, so it, it's quite an exciting thing to see when you can actually see them blasting and trying to get the rocks out but you don't really notice if there's gold in there. It doesn't look like it until they refine it. So, so it's not kind of glistening in the walls? No. And if it is, sometimes it's, um, you know, like pyrite or something, which is fake gold. So oh, fool's gold. <laughs> right. And I guess what the listeners will want to know now is how can I invest in gold? Amanda? There's a number of ways to invest in gold. Um, you can buy physical gold. Um, coins, bars, etc. You can buy ETFs on the market. Uh, you can also buy a gold fund and buy in mining shares and that sort of thing or you can directly invest in gold mining shares. What's the least hairy of those options? If you want direct exposure to the commodity, the least hairy of the options is buying an ETF on the market. Right. And the the most uh, for gamblers like myself, how what would they do? Just buy, put it, bet the farm on Conroy Gold or something like that. I mean, it's a little minnow worth 1 million pounds and hope that it'll go to 10 million. I'm not sure I picked that particular minnow. There's a number of minnows. Central Wrangle, that's another quality uh, company. But anyway, just uh, I can can give you you know five or ten of these. But I mean, if you if you are a punter, uh, how would you approach it? As a punter, you definitely go for the mining companies. Um, The small ones. You can go small. I I mean, I'm a little bit. Conflicted, given that I run a small cap mining fund, yeah. um, so playing the small guys is what I do for a living, um, and and the reason for that is 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 very obvious. Just as a, a basket, the small junior gold companies outperform the gold price three to one, so it gives you automatic leverage, and that's just off over an average of all of the small gold companies over any given bull market. Right, Bonnie. The theme here is how to make money out of gold. Uh, is the best thing to do what you've hinted at before, buy the ETF, whatever an ETF is, or is it to buy gold stocks? I mean, that, that seems to be a, a fundamental question. Well, it depends on what your risk-reward tolerance is. So basically, if you don't like to take a lot of risk and you don't have a lot of money that you can risk, then probably the easiest thing to do is they, um, if you go to the Royal Mint website, they have something called Signature Gold. And Signature Gold basically allows you to buy a fraction of um, a 400-ounce gold bar, and you can do it for a minimum of 20 pounds. And you just go online, and what they do is give you a piece of paper basically saying you own 400, you know, a fraction of a gold bar. Basically, you pay um, a 0.50% premium for that, and you pay uh, management fees of 0.5%, but you don't have capital gains, taxes, or anything like that. But that doesn't sound very romantic. Why not buy somebody some jewellery? Well, you can buy jewellery, but usually what you're paying for is a premium on the gold price when you buy jewellery, because you're paying for the jewelry design as well as the as well as the gold so and it's difficult to understand the resale value because part of it is objective either someone might like it or someone may not like you it you hear i mean for instance uh, the main buyers in the world are china and india and there there's a lot of wedding season buying and jewelry buying and they seem to almost prefer uh, that aspect to it rather than just the going to the royal mint which is and getting their certificate or whatever they do well, I mean, you can buy jewelry for sure, but is, is it a good yeah? But is it is it a good way of getting exposure to the gold price? 
I mean, if you, got, you know, you buy a, a ring for, well, obviously I'd buy it for five or 10,000 pounds, um, and, you know, gold goes to $5,000, that would then be worth, what, 15,000 pounds? Well, it depends, it depends on the ring, it depends on the design. It, to me, it's just a lot more complicated to buy jewelry and figure out what the resale value is going to be, as opposed to knowing that the gold price is at a certain level. And if it goes from, you know, 1300 to 1400 I know that I can sell my gold bar for 1400 The ETF, uh, what is that? Is that is that pounds per dollar? How do, how do, how do ETFs work? Because I think a lot of people pretend they know what, it, what they are, and they don't think they do, actually. Well, um, ETF stands for Exchange Traded funds and the biggest one is obviously the US one which is um, the spider gold uh, exchange traded fund and that's backed by bullion and it's uh, priced in US dollars but there's also um, a uh, UK uh, ETF that you can buy which is um, using the Bloomberg commodity index and um, you can buy uh, an ETF either priced in uh, British pounds or you can buy it priced in um, in US dollars and uh, basically there's a company called um, Sovereign Gold that uh, allows you to do that. Right the other question I have is is gold versus other safe uh, investments. Um, for instance, uh, most people, it seems to be quite clear that since the financial crisis, most people have gone into real estate and are mortgaged up to the eyeballs in, 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 in property where you can, you know, you can buy a flat and buy a house, you can live in it. And uh, it's, just, it's literally as safe as houses. It's been a one-way bet. There's been no, basically since 2008, they've, you know, they've doubled, tripled or in London. You know, it's been like that. Gold is a rocky ride. It's a, it can be a painful ride. If you're not wearing it on your, on your finger, it, it has no utility value whatsoever. Well, I mean, gold is an asset class, just like cash is an asset class, real estate, stocks and shares. And so you have to take it into account that it's just part of the investment uh, vehicles that are available that's out there. And so in order to diversify your portfolio, you don't want to put everything you have into one area because in the event that real estate prices do start to come down, then you have no other sort of investment that could possibly go up um, if the real estate prices are going to come down. So gold is just an aspect that you should have in your portfolio amongst other right. investments. And tying, sorry, go on. Where, in the, where in the spectrum of risk does gold come? Would you, you know, I've got a few thousand pounds in saving. Do I put that in gold? Do I put it in, well, I couldn't put it in property. That's definitely not enough. <laughs> but, uh, you know, where do I put it? Equities? Well, if you put money in equities, and this is where the risk-reward basis comes in, you are taking on a lot more risk, but you're also getting a lot higher reward. So I'll give you an example. So since the middle of December um, till about now, the gold price has done about 20% return. Mm -hmm. But if you had put your money into Rangold in mid-December until now, you would have had a 54% return. So the but the other thing to take into consideration is that if you buy um, you know a mining stock and you have capital gains, you have to pay capital gains tax. So really, your fifty four percent is not that high, but it's still higher than if you had just bought gold. And if you just buy gold, like you know just the signature gold at the Royal Mint, you don't have to pay um, capital gains on it. Why is that? Why why do they not charge capital gains on that? Because they're they're considering it a currency as opposed to a stock, and so there's no there's no capital gains on exchanging currency. Certain ETFs that are mining mining ETFs that are actually leveraged three times the gold price, and so just to give you an example, um, it's based in the U.S. It's called um, Direction 
Direction Gold Miners, N-U-G-T, is the symbol. So from mid-December till now, it actually went up 370%, wow. even though the gold price has only done 20 Now, the same uh, Direction Junior Mining one, which is composed of junior mining stocks around the world, that actually did 431%. So that shows you um, what leverage can do when you're investing in mining equities um, compared to what it is just owning uh, basically the bullion. So you, you're taking on um, a lot more risk, but you're also getting a tremendous amount of more reward. So it all depends on what your tolerance level is and your understanding of the market. So if you're into risk, go for the equities. If you're into not risk, low risk, um, go for the bullion. Just go for the bullion. Buy the coins, buy the bars, or as I said, buy the signature gold at the Royal Mint where you just get a piece of paper saying you own a little piece. And if you've only got 20 pounds to invest, that's a good way to get some gold exposure. And end up with, what, 30 pounds? <laughs> <laughs> and what about the um, the Westfield vending machine? What's, what's the view on that? I'm not sure that I would personally be buying gold out of a vending machine. Um, Sharps Pixley actually has, has a spot in St. James, and, and they actually, I believe they give the best margins in the UK on buying gold and bars. Um, I, I think you should probably try them <laughs> Actually, in, in Saudi Arabia, they have vending machines that they use quite frequently for um, dispensing gold bullion, so they're quite comfortable with it. It's just the rest of the world hasn't quite caught up to that yet. Do you want a Coke and a gold bar? <laughs> Right, I can hear the closing music, so before we're drowned out by Spandau Ballet, let's wrap this one up. With thanks to Amanda Van Dyke and Bonnie Hughes, this has been CTAM Unregulated. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen on the go on the Audio Boom app. City AM Unregulated is an Audio Boom production.